Yo, everybody, welcome to ELL 207! Lucky seven. Play that at the lottery. Just walk in and be like, I'll take Electric Liberty Land. They'll look at you like you're a psychopath. But that's what the holiday season's about. But I'm not here to tell you about that. I'm here to tell you about Zipix Toothpicks, a life changer. Not even kidding. These things are awesome. I've been chewing them, I've been sucking them while I'm recording this show, while I've had people over drinking, watching shit. It's awesome. Two milligrams, three milligrams, you roll it around, you chew on it, you suck on it, gets you that buzz, gets you that hand-to-mouth feel, but without having to smoke, without having to vape. They got fantastic flavors. I'm uh, chewing on sweet whiskey tonight because I'm drinking a little Japanese whiskey while I'm recording. Pairs perfectly. And you don't get dirty looks from people who uh, who happen to come in your vicinity if you're blowing smoke in the air or uh, spitting chaw on their child's head. Nobody wants that. They last a good long time, by the way, and they uh, they really... They do the trick. So check them out. Use promo code LION at checkout at ZipixToothpicks.com. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X Toothpicks.com. Support the show. And uh, yeah, man, treat yourself. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 207, show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes slash ELL 207. And uh, if you guys haven't checked out the website in a while, make sure to visit. We redid it recently. Looks pretty goddamn good, I think. And you can also access all the episodes there. You can access uh, more info about us, your favorite libertarian podcasters, as well as booking us for speaking gigs. Yes. Uh, we believe that speaking gigs will happen. And best part, we'll still come, even if we're not allowed to. Tell you, we'll still show up. We'll go there. We'll be in full full uh, regalia. We'll be drunk as hell. It'll be a great time had by all. So, you know, make sure to reach out for that. And of course, 
you could access the Lions of Liberty store where you can get our t-shirts, Electric Liberty Land, Felony Friday, Lions of Liberty, as well as the special t-shirts, tax, wait a minute, wax on, tax off <laughs> with Mr. Miyagi on it. Hilarious shirt. And also taxation is death uh, designed by our good buddy, Dan Smots over at uh, the Systems Down podcast. And of course, our Merry Taxation is Death Mug. And what holiday season is perfect without reminding everybody just how you feel about these goddamn taxes. So guys, welcome to the show. Had to lead it off with Little China Girl, my rendition. By far, uh, I'd say the less, le- uh, the least number of takes I've had recording a song. Usually I'm like 80 takes in, I'm just angry, and my voice is giving out from singing. But fortunately for all of you out there, I do a very good David Bowie, and uh, it's actually perfect for my vocal range. So there you go. Fucking Swalwell, man. Oh, it's so, so funny that Swalwell got honeypotted. And uh, I mean, again, of all people, this this goddamn brainwashed leftist asshole who has been the one nonstop talking about other people being, you know, colluding with Russia. He was going off about Trump being a literal puppet for Vladimir Putin. And, you know, it's just, it's too funny, too funny that this guy is now being outed as whoopsie daisy. I had been banging a Chinese spy who friended me. Now, granted, I, you know, when the FBI told him in 2015, after he'd been dating her for like six years or something like that, or I, I don't know if dating is the, the right word. Let's just say she had raised campaign funds for him, donated to his campaign, which is technically illegal because she's a foreign agent, but I guess he didn't know that at the time. But you know, she was so in with him that she actually had an intern working in his office. Now, we're being told that no classified information was, uh, was leaked or shared. And yeah, I'm sure interns don't have access to that overall. But... If you're an intern in that office, I'm sure you're overhearing some stuff. I'm sure you're looking at people's passwords as they're typing it in. So God knows what that person picked up. The literal, little, littler China girl, as I had described her. I don't even know if it was a her. Maybe it was a him. Maybe Swawell swings both ways. And she's like, well, he's, he's sick of banging my, uh, my stuff here. So I guess we'll have to slide in a little bit, a little bit of a different offering in there. He's tired of the, uh, the dim sum. Let's give him some pad guy. Yeah, that's a tie dish. I know. Don't don't fucking at me on Twitter about it. But it is just it's too delicious. And uh, and of course, you know, people are like, oh, he abruptly broke it off. Well, yeah, no shit. You know, the guy's a senator. Of course, he's going to break it off. Or is he representative? I, I can't remember which one he is. Um, but of course, you're going to break it off if the FBI comes and is like, hey, by the way, you're dating a Chinese spy. And uh, this looks pretty bad. And. <laughs> He breaks it off. Uh, and then, as I said in the song, too funny that only recently, only in the last week, right? Six years later, in the last week, his dad and brother unfriend her on uh, on Facebook and other social media. I tried to friend her. I tried to find her. I was like, this girl sounds like a good time, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, but unfortunately, I could not find her on Facebook. I'm sure, I'm sure she's uh, deleted her profile. You know, she disappeared. After the FBI had reported her to uh, Swabble's office right on the sack second time, she disappeared and I guess went back to China. Too bad. Little China girl. What is funny, though, I uh, two of the Lions of Liberty, actually, I should say four of the Lions of Liberty have experience dating Asian persuasions. Uh, myself, 
quite some time. I was in like a four, maybe yeah, like four year relationship with my ex who was straight up Chinese, you know, was born in China. I was learning the language. I'm still learning the language. I, I, those Chinese overlords, when they come for us, I'm going to, I'm going to turn coat on you. I'm going to Benedict Arnold, all of you libertarians, put you right in the gulags, get my nest settled in there. So I'm learning some. Ni hao ma. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, I dated a, a Chinese girl for like four years. Super hot. I'm not going to lie to you. Super hot. Super fucking crazy. Just evil and insane. Those are the two ways I could best describe her. Evil and insane. Probably was honey potting me. Probably knew eventually I was going to start a libertarian podcast that was going to upend the system and be the greatest threat that China has ever seen. So she got it there, but fortunately broke that off. But we also have Howie. He's been involved. Uh, you know, he was uh, over in Korea for some time. We got Mark, who was uh, for a very short time dating a Japanese girl who he did not decide was worth his time. Shocking because really just gorgeous girl. I mean, Mark truly, uh, what a fucking idiot. What a, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> Way hotter than his station at the time anyway. You know, he hadn't come up in the world yet. Uh, and Rico, I think currently being honeypotted. So, you know, we may already be completely lost to the movement, guys. Don't count us as among your leadership because at any point in time, the Chinese government can learn all of our secrets. But uh, we'll see how Rico's works out. You know, best best hopes and prayers for Rico. Uh, I'll be rooting for him come Chinese New Year and we'll see how it all shakes out. But Oh, the honeypot. What a great scam. You know, I was, I was reading articles from the, you know, like a CIA agent was citing the fact that they are prolific, you know, like all these college kids coming over, they pay for their college tuition, right? They pay for it up front so that these universities are really amped to take them because you're guaranteed they're just locking it in, you know, bring them in. They're good students. Their GPAs are high. So you're getting the benefit of great GPAs. You're getting kids that are finding, you know, right out of college, they're getting jobs and all these sciences and all these other things, you know. And then to tell us that, well, they're not just here for the learning. They're also here for the honey potting. I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not surprised. It's a great scam. Honestly, if if you had told me that I, I could go into political science in uh, back in college and not waste my life on an English degree, which has brought me to this point, talking to you idiots, uh, I would be like, oh, great. And I, I go into political science and I just get to, to run through a gaggle of hot Chinese broads. Yes, please. And they're even going to help me there. Well, I guess the the only contingent there is that I, these women are supposedly taught to eye up rising stars. And uh, as we can see, I, am I that? Have I have I ever been that? I guess at one point in time when I was young and beautiful and, and bushy tailed. Not now. Not now. The broken man I've become. And uh, yeah, man, it's been whew. so covid. I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna get back into the Russia, or the Russia China Hunter Biden uh, stuff. Swallow. That's enough on Swallow for now. You know, this week has been murder. <laughs> not only because I've bitten my lip in every possible place imaginable, I've bitten my lip not chewing, just talking. I don't know, staring at the sky, drooling. You know, as people do, uh, collecting my thoughts. Just bit my cheek in the front. I bit. Tell me if anybody's ever done this ever. Challenging. I bit my cheek behind my molars. Behind. How is that even possible? I don't fucking know, but I accomplished it. But this week's been trying, and and last week as well. It was a little bit rushed today. Unfortunately, I was able to get through, get my uh, my thoughts collected. But 
you know, my daycare for my my little baby girl, uh, who is how old is she? <laughs> She's almost eleven months, <laughs> almost eleven months. So she goes to daycare or had me going to daycare, and they had a, a COVID breakout, right? So what they do is when they have a breakout, they if one teacher is sick, they just send that teacher home and they close down for like a week, right? Then they test everybody again. Okay, bring them back in. So we thought we were going to be able to bring her in this, you know, today, essentially, when I'm recording this on Tuesday night. So we thought she'd be in. Meanwhile, my wife and I still both are working full time, you know, and on top of this, I got to, I'm doing this podcast and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of research into what I'm going to be talking about and going through these news links and how he sends out for us. So having to deal with baby at home nonstop and she just won't stop fucking moving, man, like ever. Never stops moving ever, not for a second. You know, most babies they'll chill, they'll watch uh, I don't know TV, they'll they'll punch a teddy bear in the face for 15, 20 minutes. Not my kid, man. Not my kid. It's nonstop going every place you don't want her, pulling up power cords. You know, going knocking over coffee cups. If you have a coffee cup anywhere, she'll knock it over, break a bottle, try to stab you with it. Just crazy. So we find out. Again, today, when we're just supposed to go back in, another teacher test positive. So now we have an entire another week. But the thing that does suck about this and and uh, is really sad to find out is that one of the teachers there, who granted was definitely overweight, she's a little older, probably 50, overweight, had diabetes, but the sweetest woman I've ever met. Just our favorite. Uh, she had babysitted for us, babysat for us. Logan's favorite, my daughter's favorite. She unfortunately caught covid and, you know, went to the doctor and she'd been keeping track and we were getting updates from the facility, from our daycare center. They said, you know, she's she's fine. You know, her symptoms are really, really mild. We, don't, we think she's going to be just fine. And then just out of the blue, dead, it's gone. Really, really depressing. Really, really sad. And the thing is, you know, they still don't know if it's COVID related or not, because I guess she wasn't sleeping. She was freaking out because, you know, her anxiety was through the roof. She was just, you know, so stressed. And for somebody that's a little older, overweight, I don't know, you know, it could have just been a heart attack. It could have been an aneurysm. We don't know. But I guess you could say COVID caused it. I mean, I will say it's it's definitely the, the person uh, closest that I know of to me that has uh, passed away from it. I will be patently honest though in saying and i think as we all should be you know if i'm going to take a position on covid where i'm telling people i do not view this as a as something that should mandate the shutdown of all society and people to be uh, to be forced to get vaccines as i was talking about last episode i will be honest enough i do a deep enough dive in my own mind to make sure that my philosophy and my truth my truthful feelings align and while I am just heartbroken, heartbroken for this woman and her family, I do not change my position. I still think everything that I've said, I still feel the same way about COVID and about the way that everything is being handled. I still think that it is an insane path that we've gone down and things continue to go down that crazy ass goddamn path. Now, I'll talk more about that, including the uh, the latest COVID nonsense going out and also the uh, the new mutation that, you know, is the way that we're going to, they're going to keep their power. There's a new mutation out there, guys. New mutation, new mutation. Fucking goddamn assholes. But before we do that, let's get back to the main topic of the show. So 
Well, actually, I can't even say the main topic. The main topic is going to be Rachel Maddow, as stated. But I wanted to talk about um, Hunter Biden. And I'm not going to go crazy deep into this. I know, you know, when you do a show just once a week, news gets a little stale and old. And I think a lot of you out there probably have already heard this. But Hunter Biden, who the media told us had no evidence of any wrongdoings, that there was no connections to Joe Biden, despite the fact that obviously there were. Despite the fact that we have a laptop that was confirmed, despite the media telling you there was no confirmation, and 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 my fucking leftist idiots, uh, God bless them, my lefty idiot friends that are on Twitter and other places arguing with me about whether or not the goddamn laptop was really his, and whether or not Russia had planted the laptop there, despite the fact that we had Hunter Biden's fucking signature pictures of Hunter Biden and personal emails that were confirmed by business connections as being authentic. But yeah, yeah, those Russians, man, they really get in there. Where's their honeypots, by the way? People get, they like got yellow fever, I guess. You know, only the Chinese are successful at honeypotting us. But we have this media blackout, the absolute most unbelievable tech censorship of Twitter shutting down the New York Post Twitter feed, I think, for something like eight or nine days. One of the biggest newspapers in America on a story that certainly seemed to be very authentic. Couldn't poke any fucking holes in it. And telling us that there's nothing to see here. Move along in advance of an election. Telling us that we need to st- you know, stop talking about it. We have Facebook fact-checking the shit out of it. You have people literally like on Facebook. I don't think you could share the New York Post story. You couldn't tweet it at people. You couldn't even share the link anymore. Unbelievable. Failure. Actually, we can't call it a failure by mass media. You have to call it intentional bias. I mean, the most blatant intentional bias that you could have as media. And even Fox News was trying to say that this was not an authentic story. I remember people pointing that out to me. You know, again, when I'm in these Twitter back and forth with people about Hunter Biden, which I'm tempted. I'm not, I'm not petty enough, nor do I have the time, by the way, to go back and find all of the stupid tweets people sent me and being like, How's this aging? How do you feel now, dummy? But I wish I did. Maybe maybe our social media intern, Justin Campbell, doing a great job, by the way. Uh, our, our wonderful social media intern out there, who is also a supporter, uh, paying us money to work for us. That's my favorite kind of person. <laughs> but he's doing an awesome job. Um, but point being, I you now have it come out that Hunter Biden has not only, is not only under a federal investigation and is a target, not a suspect. And I'm told the target is somebody that they already have basically a lockdown case against rather than, okay, let's just see if he's guilty. But he is the target of a federal investigation into tax fraud, as well as potential money laundering and I guess a couple other things. It's been going on since 2018. Now, a question does arise, why did Trump not know about this? And clearly, we have seen that the Trump administration and the deep state are at odds. And that was something, you know, from the collusion uh, allegations with Russia, from the deep state coup that without a doubt was a fucking deep state coup that went on, to now finding out that Hunter Biden's been under federal investigation, which is just the layers of Hilarity and hypocrisy to be found here are, are truly unbelievable. Because you remember that Donald Trump was impeached. They fucking impeached him. And again, one of the most embarrassing and stupid political 
theatrics I've ever seen play out in my fucking life. But apparently, to this day, hasn't come back to bite the Democrats. We'll see next election cycle when uh, when MAGA Trump land and all of the other people that are disillusioned watching this shit play out come to vote. But Donald Trump's impeached for allegedly using his influence in a uh, an underhanded manner to secure an investigation, or not even secure, to simply ask the Ukrainian prosecution and the Ukrainian government to look into Hunter Biden and Burisma. Just to look into it. And they said it because he was trying to say it was an exchange for payments from the U.S. government, right? Military payments to the tune of, of you know tens of billions of dollars. Now, they're saying at the time that Trump withheld that money and it was a quid pro quo. Remember, they love throwing on quid pro quo, quid pro quo. So even though it was not because the Trump administration still released that money, they didn't hold it back. They still gave the Ukraine that money. They still impeached the man. And here we go. We see that Hunter Biden is guilty of the exact same thing of quid pro quoing, except to give access to the Biden name to his father and very explicitly in an email chain lays out the fact that Joe Biden was in fact involved. Now, Joe Biden says, oh, I, you know, I have nothing to do with it. But we've got emails saying that Joe Biden is taking cuts. Like, I think Hunter Biden said that Joe takes something like half of his income. Right. This is in text messages to the other family members. Now, <laughs> you can't say that that's proof of anything. I know because we'd have to see payments coming in, which I'm sure they do a great job of hiding. But Hunter Biden has in 2017 keys made for his new quote unquote office mates in Sweden. And he is going to get a, uh, a nice little cozy office under the name the Biden Foundation, even though it's actually being billed under his company's name, which is like Rose Mead something or other. But he has these keys made for his new quote-unquote office mates, which are Joe Biden, Jill Biden, and Jim Biden, his uncle. And of course, he had shared this, this space with an emissary for a Chinese energy company, which they had called, let me see, let me scroll down here. It, the emissary was Chairman Yi Jinming, the chairman of CEFC Chinese Energy Company. And he refers to them as his partners. Yeah, Rosemont Seneca. That is the name of the company that Hunter Biden had leased this out under. And they had called the uh, the office. They had, he told them specifically, put a placard on the wall at the, front of the, at the front door of the office that says the Biden Foundation and Hudson West, and then in parentheses, CEFC US. So the Chinese company had been using a, a different name to avoid scrutiny. I mean, <laughs> it seems pretty goddamn obvious if office mates Joe Biden and Jill Biden and uh, Uncle Cousin Biden are going to be made, you know, and keys are being made for these people, that they are involved in some way in the dealings going on between Hunter Biden and China. Now, of course, Burisma is also involved in this, too, because of Hunter Biden's taxes. I think this is where this all begins, is that there was a discrepancy in an email found wherein Hunter Biden's uh, contact, I think at Burisma, had said, hey, by the way, we need to amend your taxes because there's $400,000 that you didn't report. We need to go back and get that on the books. Otherwise, you're going to get hit with this shit. And also, I think there was something like a diamond he was given worth $2.4 something like that, that also isn't on the official records. 
So you've got quite a bit of interest around Hunter Biden, and the media is finally reporting on it. The question is, why? Why now? You know, after they had squashed and quashed everything else about fucking Hunter Biden, why now? And one has to wonder whether or not it's because Joe Biden is simply not going to make it very far, and they're already kind of setting the stage to take him out. Instead of using the 25th Amendment and getting him out on charges of senility or charges of, that he's not mentally capable in order to install Kamala Harris in there, who, of course, is an establishment uh, piece of shit who has literally fucked her way into politics with uh, Mayor Willie Brown in San Francisco and then, uh, you know, backstabbed and cheated her way by fucking people in the prison system over time and time again to get where she is today. They apparently think that she's going to be a better fit to work with. And why wouldn't they think that? I mean, clearly she has no problem doing underhanded dirty shit. Uh, she has not been in there long enough to really have, you know, deep seated allegiance in her alliances. And I'm sure she's more than happy to work with the deep state. She doesn't really strike me as somebody that's going to take a stand against the military industrial complex. <laughs> she's a cop and the military are after all the police of the world. You know, let's not forget that fact. A global force for good, right? That's who we're dealing with. That's what America is, is meant to be, a global force for good. So Kamala Harris will have no problem working with the deep state, kissing ass and making sure that bombs are dropped and children are dying. Because let's, let's also not forget that Kamala Harris also threatened to throw people in jail because their kids were skipping school, which, you know, to me, having a kid skip school um, you know, that's not great, I guess, if you're a leftist Democrat and you're worried about people getting their proper indoctrination. But to me, it still seems that taking somebody's parents and throwing them in jail or threatening to as a result of a child being truant seems to be a worse outcome than that child not going to school. Because now there's no fucking family at home. Now these single parents that are barely making ends meet because they're working all the time and not able to watch their kids or make sure they're going to school... Oh, well, now they get to go to jail. The kids get to go to foster care, which is epically fucked up. And as you guys know, I work with CASA, uh, an organization that uh, is for, stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. They work with foster kids, and I see a lot of the outcomes of kids that are separated. They end up homeless. They end up in prison. They end up uh, sex trafficked. They end up dead. The outcomes are not pretty. And this is what Kamala Harris thinks is preferable. Just a real piece of shit. So anyway, that's it. I'm not going to spend too much more time on it. I've already talked about it for like 10 minutes. So that's the wrap up on Hunter Biden. It seems to me that he is uh, is going down. But I guess if Joe Biden gets in there, he could pardon him. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be a real piece of cheesecake? Good stuff makes me fucking laugh. All right. Now let's get into the uh, the episode title right, of Rachel Maddow. Let me play you this clip of Rachel, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and talk about it. And this is from her appearance on the Colbert Report. And I'm going to play the first 30 seconds just so you can hear him sucking her fucking clit dry, which is just so upsetting, so disgusting for a man that I really did respect. Colbert was hilarious. The Colbert Report was hilarious. He's now become an utter shill for the left, for the Democrats, for Joe Biden, for the establishment. And his ass-kissing to Rachel Maddow in the beginning of this is one of the more grotesque things that you will see on television. I promise you that. 
one of the most disgusting things. So let's listen to this and then listen to a little commercial and then we'll be back. My first guest tonight is an author and Emmy-winning journalist who hosts The Rachel Maddow Show. Her latest book is called Bagman. Please welcome to A Late Show, Rachel Maddow. Rachel, good to see you again. Stephen, it is great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's, it's, it's always a, a bit of a vacation for me to have you on the show because you're such a champion talker that I can sit back and just watch you take apart the stories of the day. It's really, it's really delightful. Mm. Ah, mm, delicious. God, fuck you, Colbert. All right, here's the rest of the clip. So we're seeing it from the CDC, but also there's all these very serious experts that are coming in and advising Biden. They're doing lots of public-facing discussions, lots of interviews, speaking with one voice, all very consistent. And that just feels like a sea change from the, you know, the clown show stuff that, that Trump was doing at the White House. It feels better already. Now that we know, I mean, 2020 has been a singular year. There's been, there's been no year like this in my life, at least not in my adult sort of conscious life. I know there were some terrible things, terrible years in the 1960s when I was a child, but there's been nothing like this year, but there's been nothing like the last four years either. And as someone who um, consumes an enormous amount of news in order to curate it and distill it for your audience to try to give it some, as I've said, you're the master of parts on a lawn and saying, these are the parts of a story. Let me put it together and show you how the engine works. Mm. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. Here you, go. you actually have to consume a lot of that poison every day of what the administration is or this president administration is trying to sell to the American people and to the world. How do you think that has affected the way you approach reporting the news? Ah. Because that's going to hopefully go back to a different sort of source of news nutrient after this. But what what now that it's coming to an end to some degree, do you have any perspective on what it's done? Are you asking basically, did this break me? <laughs> no, <laughs> but it did, it did it in some way change your chemical composition. It might have changed what I am able to digest and how. I mean, I, I feel like this was, I mean, this is a great time to be in the news business because we've never been more vital um, just to learn these basic rules again, that if we didn't know them before, you know, don't listen to what they're saying. Just watch what they're doing. You know, don't um, don't uh, don't take at face value something that you get from a government official just because a government official is saying it. Those rules became very easy to remember all of a sudden again in the Trump administration, which is good. But they're good rules for us for all time. Ladies, gentlemen, lentilmans, I need to remind you of some good friends of ours, Nate and Charlie, over at the Good Morning Liberty podcast, bringing you your shot of liberty every day, uh, hitting on your current events, also taking some broad overlooks over kind of how we're going to relate to the normies from libertarian perspectives. Also, Nate and Charlie, as I mentioned before, are both working within the healthcare industry. And that's something interesting because I find that libertarians have to know their, uh, dot their I's, cross their Q's, I don't know, motorboat their P's, I forget what that phrase is. But point being, on healthcare, we need to be accurate because that's something that's weighing high on people's minds during COVID. Nate and Charlie are experts at breaking down how the healthcare industry works and where as libertarians we can get in there and say, hey, let's do this a little different. Here's what's accurate. Here's what's not. So check them out anywhere podcasts are heard. Good morning, Liberty. They support us. We support them. You should support both of us. 
go with Jeebus. All right, we're back with Electric Liberty Land's second sexy half. Again, guys, show notes, all the stories that I'm talking about today over at lionsofliberty.com slash episodes slash ELL207. Have you guys noticed something different about this episode compared to the last few weeks? Yeah, that's right. No coughing, no hacking it up. Maybe, maybe I'll have a little one here and there, but look who's not coughing. Yeah. God damn, man. Three weeks. Oh, sucked. Couldn't talk. Couldn't uh, Couldn't go out in public without people giving me the, the side eye, you know? And when that's on, you got people in masks giving you the side eye. How many of them want to fuck you? How many of them want to fight you? How many of them are ugly? I don't know. This goddamn mask bro we live in. It's just a constant enigma. It's a puzzle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a mask. Anyway, welcome back to the second half of the show. Let's, uh, wow. You heard what old Rachel Maddow had to say there, right, guys? So, Rachel, let me just, let's break down a couple of things here, right? First off, she says, well, you know, media's never been more vital to tell people what they need to know and tell them the truth. Yeah, okay, bull fucking shit, Rachel. You've been full of shit for fucking years. Remember when she had that whole big show on the Trump tax documents and it turned out to be a big fart noise? Yeah, exactly. Plus, she's been on the COVID train. Plus, she's on the Russiagate. She was on the Russiagate story like all these other fucking ass clowns were. And she's telling us that they're more valuable now than ever. What, to spread disinformation? To tell people the gay... What's so funny about this, she talks about how, as media, they had to remind themselves that they shouldn't just take what a government official says at face value. Meanwhile, what has the media been doing? What has Rachel Maddow been doing? What what have they all been doing when they have John Brennan and John Clapper on their shows talking about the Russiagate scandals, when they listen to Chuck fucking Schumer, uh, the most partisan ass clown, also head of the Senate Intelligence Committee somehow, they're taking everything they say at face value. But yet, she has the goddamn gall to say that they have been reminded because of the Trump administration that they can't take everything at face value. Now, this also reminds us that during the Obama administration, and I talked about this to no end, when these people fact-check Donald Trump and everybody's saying, oh, Donald Trump's a liar. Not to defend lying to the American people, but I'm sorry, how goddamn naive and ignorant and flat-out stupid do you have to be to not know that your government's lying to you all the time? All the time! We have, a, we have an agency that protects the uh, president called the Secret Service. We have a CIA organization that literally their entire job is to lie, is to, is to, to handle covert operations. We have entire branches of the Pentagon that's designated to having not only covert ops abroad, but also having psyops here at home. We have people that have intentionally, look at Eric Holder, intentionally have so discontent, have supported marches and rallies and played up partisan sides to try to divide people. And the media during the Obama administration lapped it up. If you want to keep your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Oh, great. Thank you, Obama. That's wonderful. How dare you conspiracy theorists out there tell us that you can't keep your doctor on your body. These fucking assholes. 
How about Obama lying just blatantly to the American populace, to the media, to everybody about the spying apparatus, saying that he didn't know about it, saying that they weren't collecting your private data? Oh, that's right. Thank you, Ed Snowden, who hopefully Trump will pardon. Thank you for making sure that lie was out there. And the media, of course, just, well, see, well, we'll push that under the rug. Obama's still the greatest president ever. Never mind the fucking media to Obama administration pipeline and vice versa that was constant. Just a rotating door like fucking Will Ferrell and Elf running around in circles in that rotating door in the hotel room, or in the uh, hotel, having a wonderful time. That was the Obama administration and the media. They would go to work for him. Then they would come out and go, okay, well, now I, I'm a, a tenured official in the Obama administration. Who wants to hire me for commentary to suck Obama's dick? And there were no shortage of takers. But Rachel Maddow now has found fucking media Jesus, thanks to Donald Trump, because he lied so much more than Obama or Bush. I mean, remember people lying us into uh, the Iraq war, WMDs that the media gleefully reported, gleefully reported taking the government line on that. Remember when they reported all of the shit going down? Oh, well, he, Assad's gassing his own people. Remember when we went into Libya and we helped overthrow that country and now they have legalized slavery? Oh, the media were cheering for that because they bought the government narrative that we had to go in there to protect everybody, to protect people at home. What a fucking stupid clown cunt. And, there, and, and you know, <laughs> she's saying the clown show that was the Trump administration... I would rather see an administration outwardly fight amongst itself. <laughs> I'd rather have people question what's coming out there. She's saying, oh, now we're going to see an allied front. Oh, great. Wonderful, Rachel. Please give me scientists and the government allied together to tell us what to do in an allied front. Because that's worked out so fucking well for us, hasn't it? Hadn't that worked out throughout history? When the government and the scientists and the health people get all together and tell you what you have to do, all that's resulted in is death and destruction. That's what's happened in the Soviet Union. That's what's been happening in China. That's why we've got uh, Uyghurs or Uyghurs or whatever you want to call them in concentration camps, because everybody, the state media is in line with the government, buying what they have to say and reporting it as such. But that's what Rachel Maddow wants. She wants that unified front back so that there's no dissenting voice, so that there's no questioning the government narrative and what we have to do as we happily skip down the road to fucking utter and complete destruction, especially under the guise of COVID. I mean, holy shit. But I do like that. It's, <laughs> it's refreshing in a way. You know, I titled the episode, Rachel Maddow Finally Learns a Lesson. The lesson she learned was to not trust the goddamn government and their spokespersons, because clearly they always have an agenda. Now, why she forgot this? She goes on later and they talk on and on about journalism school and how people, you know, the, how the cathedral of journalism teaches people to question this and question that, which clearly they don't do because they are an orthodoxy for leftism. But it's funny to hear her talk about how this, oh, well, we have to be reminded of this. But at the same time, in the same interview, saying that she loves getting back to this unified front and loves getting back to a sense of normalcy. And her sense of normalcy, of course, is not 
reporting the truth. It is not questioning really what's coming out. It's just that somebody that she likes politically is back into office so she doesn't have to question in her simple mind what's coming out. Because if she agrees with it, well then what's there to question, right? And that's the problem with our entire fucking system right now in regards to the news media. What's there to question if I agree with it? Obviously, this is all completely accurate. Yes, we should spend hundreds of billions of dollars on the homeless population. Clearly, we shouldn't enforce anything. Clearly, we shouldn't help people with their property rights. Clearly, we should shut down our economy because of COVID. Clearly, a disease with a point, you know, zero whatever death rate, uh, far lower than any other epidemic in history. Clearly, that warrants shutting down entire governments and entire uh, economies for years on end. Clearly, everybody should take a vaccine. Clearly, everybody should support this ongoing war on terror because if we don't get them over there, you know, I, I, this is just madness. Just absolute fucking madness. You know, clearly, we have to support critical race theory. We have to all demonize white people because that's what we all agree with because white people are evil and that's the way the media thinks and that's the way the, uh, the Democrat establishment thinks. So there's no question. And climate change too, guys. Don't forget that we have to shut down our economy each other four years to make sure that the smog clears out and uh, we can all go back to, uh, to our daily lives and, and also buy an electric scooter powered by farts. I mean, it's just... <laughs> There is literally no self-awareness to these people. You know, Matt Tiabi, uh, who I have actually, uh, I've joined his Substack. stack. I, you know, I chuck that guy five bucks a month because I enjoy his writing. And I might do the same for Glenn Greenwald. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the politics of Matt Tiabi or Glenn Greenwald, by the way. I appreciate their coverage because I find that they are honest reporters. I mean, Matt Tiabi had an uh, a article talking about the bailouts and the new round of negotiations, and he was critical of the Democrats for not fighting for more. You know, of course, you know, I'm reading that rolling my goddamn eyes. But at the same time, he's calling out YouTube media censorship, which is what I want to get into in, uh, in just a moment, too. We're talking about the media and this is something funny before I jump into the media, the, the big tech stuff, and then we'll, we'll round it out with some COVID and then some other potpourri news stories. But you've got YouTube saying that they will censor any post questioning the election. They've already censored posts questioning whether or not COVID is, uh, is as deadly as they say, or the, uh, the cures, potential cures to COVID, what you should do. No, no, you have to only subscribe to what the government tells us, right? That's big tech. And at the same time, you now have big tech censoring. I mean, YouTube, for fuck's sake, YouTube didn't just get its start being a platform where people could go on and post dumb videos of shit and people getting hurt as much as I enjoy those. YouTube started an entire industry, a revolutionary industry of citizen journalism. That started on YouTube. YouTube has now grown so large and gotten so in bed with mainstream media and big tech and big liberals that they now are censoring their own basic platform offering, which is that citizen journalism. They are going to censor anybody that has a story reporting on any election fraud. They've already said this flat out. Any election fraud, any videos that question the Dominion systems, that question whether or not uh, Joe Biden was elected authentically, this video might get fucking pulled. Honestly. Just because I'm talking about it right now, it might not make it to YouTube on our YouTube channel. I think it's hilarious. I, I, I'm not, I can't even say hilarious. I would say hilarious in a, a cynical way because I'm a very cynical person. But I can't help but laugh 
that YouTube's come so full circle that they are basically saying we are going to ban any citizen journalism, any third party journalistic sources, any uh, non-establishment sources. You know, we're basically only going to republish legacy media, a.k.a. NBC, ABC, CNN, et cetera, the big mainstream places, New York Times, they'll happily let anything. Russiagate is still up there. That's been disproven, this fucking nonsense. Any conspiracy theory you want to put out there about the GOP, about Donald Trump, about uh, libertarians, uh, Joe Jorgensen getting bit by a bat and getting superpowers that apparently also made her uh, completely inept at running a political campaign. Any of these things are fine. Right. But if you dare to post any citizen journalism questioning the narrative that big media and big tech have agreed on, a.k.a. the leftist narrative, you will be shut down. You'll be censored. Your videos will be removed and your channel will be banned. Now, of course, all this is going to do is rile up the other side. As we talked about before, you know, when I talked about censorship of neo-Nazi viewpoints or, or anything of those you're basically just confining these people to certain sectors of the internet wherein whatever they believe, right or wrong, is only going to become more entrenched. You know, that's what the whole thing with this fucking election coming up. You know, we've got you've got YouTube. Uh, just to finish my uh, actually my idea here before I move on. Long story short, big tech, YouTube, all these places are now pushing people straight back into the arms of mainstream media. It's come completely full circle. Which is interesting when you you know hear about people talking about monopoly and breaking up Facebook, which I'll also get into briefly. <laughs> but this whole election shit, man, you know, the Supreme Court decided they would not hear the challenge from Texas that was supported by something like 22 other states. Now, I know Alito and I think, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember. One other justice said they, they would happily hear it. But overall, it was rejected. And they said that Pennsylvania did not have any uh, any grounds to challenge the results of other states. That, to me, does sound ridiculous. Because, honestly, if you are all voting, if we're all, if, if we're all states here and we're voting for a president, right, we all have equal say, and certain of those states were compromised, were fraudulent, I don't see why other states should not be able to challenge that. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily... <coughs> You can prove anything, but I think the Supreme Court had a duty to hear it. And just like I was talking about the censorship thing, just entrenching people in what they believe, the Supreme Court turning this down and not giving it any hearing, all that is doing is making sure that every single person that voted for Trump is going to continue to believe that this election was stolen from them. They are going to continue to fight for Trump. They're going to continue to believe everything that they already believe. And for that reason, it was idiotic for the Supreme Court to turn this down. Now, you know, again, on our E Alliance of Liberty email chain, uh, Rico had made the point that the Supreme Court might as well just resign at this point because they're more than happy not to hear the big cases. They just want to let the uh, the subcourts handle everything, which is what they've done, and then sidestep the big issues. And that's what they've been doing. They've, side they've been sidestepping Second Amendment. They've sidestepped the abortion issue. And as I've said many times, Roe vs. Wade never going to get overturned. They're sidestepping this issue. I think it is idiotic. I think it's pathetic. And I think it's absolutely the wrong thing for the fucking country. Absolutely. Maybe it'll lead to secession. I know there's uh, some, you know, uh, people that are casting, uh, like GOP representatives casting votes for Trump and Pence uh, just for legal purposes in case any of these lawsuits get farther along so they can't say, well, they still all voted for him. Okay, fine. 
You have uh, states that joined the Texas lawsuit, like New California and uh, New... Uh, there was another one, too. I don't think it was New Texas, but you know some of these states that are trying to break off from the mainstream California. I mean, California, without a doubt, should be broken up. Without a fucking doubt. But it was interesting to see as, you know, a GOP representative also got raked over the coals for saying, yeah, we should secede. Well, hey, yeah, man, break it up. Break up this big fat pig. Get a, I'll, I'll live in the ribs, wherever that might be. But yeah, the Supreme Court really fucked up. Hey, Trump's chances basically look null and void at this point. I, I don't see any possible way that this, <laughs> there's just no fucking possible way. So at this point, Biden's a, a done deal. As long as he stays in there, as he said, we might see Harris take over before the actual time to take the uh, the reins. But um, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the broader big tech big tech censorship and how Facebook has been hit with a blockbuster lawsuit as a monopoly as an antitrust lawsuit by the FTC in 46 states, which is pretty fascinating. At the same time, I also think it's absolutely fucking stupid. And I was just on um, <laughs> coughing my goddamn head off at the time. But Odie and I, John Odermatt, a Felony Friday fan, we were just on uh, Paul's to the Wall with Nick and Mike Paul, who had us on, and uh, and Facebook came up, and basically big tech and big censorship came up. And I just, look, I know Facebook's big. I know we all fucking hate it. I know they've got more money than goddamn Jesus. But at the same time, they're buying up WhatsApp. They're buying Instagram. I could give two fucks. I don't I don't see why that would warrant them being broken up by a government force when look, these com- these companies happily sold to Facebook. If you're a business owner developing a tech company, your goal is probably to sell out to Facebook. If you're going to get 600 billion dollars to sell WhatsApp, which is just by the way, just a messaging app. Who fucking care? How is this a monopoly? Facebook is a social media chat program. Fine. They bought up other social media platforms. Instagram is nothing like Facebook. Instagram, okay, you post some pictures, you post some videos, whatever. Fine. There's a million other programs that are very similar to Instagram that could step up in its place should people decide to go that way. No problem whatsoever. I mean, Tumblr was a big thing before that sold out to a big corporate entity, and then they took out all the porn and killed it. (laughs) So funny, man. Porn dictates the success of everything. Um, We'll get to that later, too, about Pornhub and Bitcoin. But so what? Facebook has WhatsApp. They bought a competitor out. I don't even see why. Because Facebook Messenger, I guess they wanted to make sure that they could merge that. Fine. So my Facebook Messenger works better. WhatsApp works better. Fine. I don't fucking give a shit. If people have an issue using it, they can find another program. And they will. They will. People forget how prolific MySpace was. People forget how prolific ICQ was and AOL Messenger was. You people out there, half of you are probably too goddamn young to know what ICQ or AOL Messenger were. They were chat programs on a desktop that you would use to get in touch with your friends. AOL Messenger, you could put an away message on there. It basically functioned as a online messenger, just like Facebook's does. It was handy. Every single goddamn person used it. And then it went away. Throughout history, 
Every time the government's tried to break up a monopoly, they, you know, monopoly, they went after Microsoft, they went after IBM, they went after all, you know, everybody else. I'm sure they go after Apple at some point. Every time that happens, guess what? By the time the legislation gets through, by the time you know the years go by of court battles, somebody else has stepped up to take that place over. Some better offering or people just get fucking sick of it. Like we're all getting sick of goddamn Facebook already because of the politicization of everything, because the news feeds fucking suck, because they're censoring shit. We're already moving off. We're already going to parlor. We're already going to MeWe. I'm going to try that or my way. I don't know what the fuck. M-E-W-I, MeWe? MeWe? We're already looking elsewhere. So the government's going to spend a billion dollars fighting a mega corporation to break it up and maybe they succeed and they undermine. By, by the way, the basics of business, if you sell your business, what, okay, what if they break it up? Do you give the money back? What, how does, how does unspinning this shit even fucking possibly work? The government's going to oversee the inefficient, basically retarded run government is going to figure out how to best break up and run these companies in the interim and put new people. This is Fucking ridiculous. I don't care how big they get. The bigger they get, the faster they will be picked apart. (laughs) And if they don't, it's because they're making the right moves. Now, I'm not for Facebook. I'm not for the censorship. As I said, I'm already looking other places. But if they continue to acquire and merge all these other apps in and provide the best fucking offering... I mean, there's a reason Google, which is definitely evil, and Apple, which is also equally evil, have a market share like they do. It's because they have provided the best offerings. By far. People are willing to give up their data. They're willing to give up their their privacy to use all these services in one easy, handy-dandy, handheld gadget that makes your life so much easier and so much better that to think how you ever lived without it is like taking some sort of Ray Bad Bradbury-esque journey down into the Twilight Zone. I mean, Christ, I can't even imagine how the hell I got around Los Angeles 15 years ago with a big folding map. It's insane. Imagine the days in which you had to meet up with somebody and they were late and they couldn't call you and you didn't know. And that was it. That's it. You just sit there for an hour like an asshole in a restaurant and they don't think, hey, sorry, man, I can't make it. Now you can track where they are if you want to turn that on on Facebook. It's just, it's stupid on its face. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of taxpayer money. And yes, Facebook is evil. But guys, if you don't like Facebook, don't look to the government. Look to your friends, figure a new solution out. Fucking launch a company. Get it going. Get it started. Stop sitting around and whining about it. Get out there and start something new. Period. Now... I do want to talk uh, real quick, real quick about the social media banning of United Airlines kicking a toddler off their uh, their flight. I didn't even realize that social media was banning this until I, I read this story today, actually. But I saw it on Twitter, retweeted, you know, pretty hot mom, definitely a, a milfy milf was crying to the camera. And, and there's video of this of this encounter, too, on United Airlines, which is the airline that I fly, by the way, uh, which makes me sick to my stomach. But there was a two-year-old on a flight <coughs> and they had said, okay, you got to, you know, anybody two or over, you got to wear a mask. Now, as I told you earlier, my daughter, fucking hurricane whirlwind Johnson over here, you know, just wrecking shit up and not listening to anything. 
I can't see her being that much more rational a year from now. And having met numerous two-year-olds in my life, they don't stay, they still don't have a conceptual understanding of cause and effect, of reasoning, of why certain things have to be done. And they also just don't like to have shit on their faces. My daughter takes her hat off and we try to put a hat on her because it's cold outside. She takes it off in a second, throws it on the ground. I could put it on her a million times. I can sit her down at 11 months old and explain to her how temperature works, how it could adversely affect her health. I guarantee she won't get it. And a year from now, I could have the same conversation and she still won't get it. And for the assholes on United to kick this family off the flight, and the dad's trying to hold the mask over the, the kid's face. And he's like, I'm holding on. Nope, get off the flight. So they kick him off. They ruin their, t- they ruin their flight. It, it's insanity. We already know. They said schools can open up. The kids cannot really transmit COVID. And I know you're like, but Brian, your, day, your daycare had an outbreak. Yeah, I know. The kids did not transmit it in all likelihood. Kids typically do not transmit COVID. They cannot really, it's harder for them to get it. And they don't really have much uh, adverse effect to it. Typically on asymptomatic or the sniffles at most, harder for them to spread it. Which is why Fauci himself, God King Fauci, came out and said they should not have closed schools. This entire time, the danger is absolutely nil. It's about as low as you can get. And this is after, as I've said on the show five fucking times, United themselves teamed with the government to do a goddamn study on whether or not you could catch COVID on a plane wearing a mask. And they found that your chances of getting it were something like zero point or 0.03%. So why? Knowing that children can't transmit it, knowing that the, the, the odds of this kid infecting anybody are 0.0001%. On top of the fact that if you're all wearing masks on the plane, you have a 0.03% of getting it. Why do they feel they need to ostracize this family, make a fucking scene, kick these people off the plane, ruin their entire trip? It's just disgusting. And now social media, because these people are fucking COVID cultist establishment pieces of shit, who, again, will only go by the rote of we all must follow government mandates. They have now banned this video because for some reason it violates, I guess, the understanding of what COVID is. We can't show somebody's life being altered and their their child probably being scarred from this experience. How does that impact understanding of COVID? I guess maybe because the parents were talking about it in the video. I don't know. But they're sensory because we can't see the human suffering that is inflicted by COVID unless it's the very specific human suffering the government wants us to see. You understand? The very specific suffering that mainstream leftist media wants us to see is like the black nurse getting her COVID vaccine. They they love showing that. They'll tell us about the 18-year-old that died of COVID, that one kid that died out of the uh, you know, hundreds of millions that didn't. They'll happily show us that human misery. But they won't show us the human misery of people going hungry, of suicides, of children being scarred and kicked off airplanes, of businesses shutting down, 
of people going back home to their countries. You know, they, the left pretends to care about immigrants and they pretend to care about minorities. But as we have seen, statistically, minorities and immigrants are the people that are being most fucked over by this whole shutdown. Just glorious. Glory days. Glory days. Um, all right. I'm going to wrap it up with a little bit of potpourri. Let me take a little sip of water, water first, though. Ah, much better. Uh, by the way, on COVID, one quick thing. You know, at Los Angeles County, a judge had basically said there's no scientific evidence for banning outdoor dining, right? So in response, the county first said, oh, he misunderstood what we showed him. Then they said, okay, yeah, no, you're right. There's no scientific evidence because they, they had basically during this latest surge in cases, they had said that uh, no more outdoor dining anywhere in LA County, which of course during the holidays crushes people's businesses as I was talking about last show. Now they admit they know there's no scientific evidence that you can catch COVID outside. They know there's no basis for them shutting down restaurants. They had now said officially, and this is a direct quote, they just want people to stay home. There you go. LA County decides that even though there's absolutely no scientific health, you know, epidemic basis, there's no, there's no proof, nor can there be any proof that outdoor dining, nor just being outside and associated with people can spread COVID. They've decided that you're not allowed to do it because they feel that you should stay inside. How insane is that? And also, before I move on from COVID real quick, uh, I saw that there was reports that, you know, now we have like some, it's, it had to be like the Washington Post or HuffPo or something really fucking stupid. But one of these goddamn publications, you know, the CNNs had said that now more people have died of COVID in the United States than Americans did in World War II. Okay, right. So, you know, we haven't talked about this in a while, but let's not forget that you know, like I talked about with uh, the sad passing of the uh, the teacher at my daughter's school, I know she she had COVID. She'll be marked as a COVID death. We don't know if really that's what she died of or not. And to this day, the CDC even put out numbers saying that the only actual cases they could find, you know, that provably solely because of COVID was something like 9,000. And the media now, of course, is rushing to tell us that 300,000 people have died of COVID when we know that a lot of these people would have died anyway. And what's funny, the vaccine's coming out, right? Because people are going to get vaccines. They're rolling out. They put out notices, right? On like the, the World Health Organization, the CDC website. They put out this notice that says, well, and again, these people are out there defending it. They say, well, you know, people that get injected with the vaccination that are in old folks' homes if they happen to die, you know, don't blame the vaccination because those people are likely to die soon anyway. Okay. Well, then why the fuck are we marking everybody that dies in an old folks home as dying from fucking COVID? Fucking having it both goddamn ways. That's what these people love. All right. Next topic. Speaking of having it both ways, how about Joe Biden? Declaring gun violence a national health crisis. Ah, shit, I just dropped my Zipix too thick. Ah, five-second roll. I'm picking it back up. So Joe Biden has declared that gun violence is a national health crisis doing a, uh, a Sandy Hook remembrance speech. 
you got to love these Democrats saying that gun violence is a national health crisis when, by far, all of the gun violence is more or less confined to democratically controlled states and cities and ones that have been for quite some time. I mean, look at Chicago, look at D.C., look at Philadelphia, look at you know any number. You can, you can list them off and off and off and off. Predominantly, these are cities, you know, look at gun violence in Newark, New Jersey, New York City. Predominantly, these are cities that are run by Democrats and have been entrenched for years voting Democratic. Predominantly, they have absolutely draconian, you know, some of the most strict, locked down, hard to get a fucking gun, almost impossible to get a concealed carry permit unless it's like, you know, New York City where the cops just help people they, to get them if they pay them off or they're friends of theirs. But yet Joe Biden has the gall to say that gun violence is a national emergency. Joe Maybe Democrats and their leadership is the national emergency because, again, when we break this down, all of these fucking murders are taking place in Democrat cities. Chicago, every single weekend, has something like 25 or 30 shootings and 10 or 15 deaths. Same thing in D.C., same thing in in New York, New York where crime is rising, (laughs) same thing in any of these communities that are defunding the police. You know, the autonomous zone which we'll talk about. There's another autonomous zone, by the way. The autonomous zone in Seattle, where they just left them alone because the cops weren't allowed in. Oh, yeah, you know, people just started getting shot every fucking night there. These peaceful, loving communities, you know, where everybody gets along, quickly became segregated, self-segregated, right, by these leftists, where they had specific things, black-only gardens, black-only benches, whites can't come in here. You know, yeah, it's just unbelievable. And Joe Biden out there declaring gun violence a national emergency. I, 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 the NRA, the GOP, even the Libertarian Party needs to strike back on this and say Democratic leadership is the problem when it comes to gun violence. That is the national health crisis. By the way, speaking of the Libertarian Party, I, uh, I tweeted this. I can't remember if I said it on this show, but I am going to uh, lay out, you know, as a, as a communications professional, who's worked in public relations for fucking like 18 years now. Again, why was I not honeypotted into going into a better career? But I've got some thoughts. I'm going to actually be doing a deep dive. I'm going to put down uh, my thoughts as far as a strategy, not just here's the things that the Libertarian Party needs to focus on, but a real strategy for communications in 2021. What I think will be the most effective uh, what the topics are, what the groups are, where I see opportunities, and how we need to address this and roll things out. I'm all for the Mises Caucus, guys. You know that. I've said it. I'm a member of the Mises Caucus. I donated to them. I think I gave them 20 whole dollars. You're welcome, Michael Heiss and the Mises Caucus. You're welcome. I view that as an ad buy for Lions of Liberty, so, uh, you know, promote us. No, just kidding. But you know, I know Dave's been talking about uh, Dave Smith over part of the problem, who, by the way, just was on debating Archie Flower. I said Archie Flower last time, one of our supporters. And and welcome, by the way, all of you new new uh, Patreon supporters. I hope you stick with us. We do a lot of awesome content. I think you really love. But uh, Dave and, uh, and Archie were debating, by the way, on Monday's show. So check that out if you haven't. But, you know, Dave's talking about a takeover of the LP. And uh, yeah, I'm in on that. I You know, it's funny. I guess... I, I had an, I had announced my strategy 
Uh, and my plan to do a strategy show, basically at the exact same time, Dave started tweeting about it, which is funny because I didn't even know. And actually, I was like, God damn that motherfucker, because <laughs> he's got a bigger platform than me. People are going to think that he inspired me. But no, you know, sometimes great minds think alike. And I think it's something that people honestly can see we need a different direction. And then in looking at the way the election played out, it's obvious what they're doing hasn't been working. And as I told you guys, you know, I was on with the, the Jorgensen campaign for a little bit. I was, I don't know, not invited back after a couple of meetings, probably because of the the things that I've been saying on this podcast and, and tweeting. But I think that they would be, uh, the Libertarian Party as a whole would be foolish not to listen, uh, especially to what I'm going to be putting together. Like I said, I, I am a professional. So hopefully they give a listen. Um, all right. Getting back to this autonomous zone shit. You know, like I said, the autonomous zone, people are getting shot. There's a brand new one, by the way, in Portland. Uh, protesters have, they're calling it the Red House Autonomous Zone because I guess a black family was booted out of their house by the government or evicted. And I'm trying to find the fucking details for this. The story I'm reading in the New York Post. Yeah, they're reclaiming a house where a black family was evicted. Okay, so I guess they just got evicted. I'm trying to find if there's any like reason behind it. I guess they just hadn't paid their bills and the eviction moratorium ran out and these people were evicted. You know, there's no sympathy if you own land from any of these fucking Antifa pieces of shit. You know, private property clearly does not exist. How dare you try to pay your bills for the house that you own when, uh, when people that have less money than you want to live in it for free forever. Great. But these people have been surrounding this house. They boarded it up. I guess half of them are living in it, protesting around it until these people get put back in. And I guess they've won because, you know, what's best to, to do with violent protesters is to placate them every time. But they started threatening people coming into video, you know, journalists coming in, people with cell phones. They would threaten them uh, physically if they came in and tried to videotape what they're doing. I guess they learned their lesson from the original Seattle-based Chaz Chop once people started getting video in there and showing how fucked up it was. But they say that respect means getting people's explicit individual consent before filming them in any way, showing them what footage you've taken, and deleting the footage you're asked to delete. And if you don't respect that, you're a fucking creep and a danger to the community here. You gotta love that. You know... No, no impartial journalism here. No impartiality in any way. They want to create and curate the content coming out of their movement. You're not allowed to film people violently taking over someone else's property lest they, uh, they decide that you're a fucking creep and beat the crap out of you. You have to show them what you've taken to make sure that they look uh, the best possible light. This is, this is the world that these leftists want to live in. All right, here's a feel-good story for us libertarians, guys. The uh, Department of Defense under the Trump administration is reviewing and basically saying that they are going to cut almost all of their support for CIA counterterrorism operations. Now, that to me is awesome because they feel that, well, I mean, the reasoning behind it is, uh, is stupid because... They feel that the uh, the personnel that have been detailed to help the spy agency with their counterterrorism operations should instead be repurposed and targeted towards Russia and China. So instead of doing counterterrorism, you know, maybe toward cyber terrorism or uh, honeypotting. And honestly, 
even though I don't think these people should have a job, I agree with that. Mainly because, you know, maybe stopping honeypots has some sort of purpose or use. Meanwhile, supporting CIA counterterrorism operations, which probably like the FBI involve creating terrorists, getting involved, giving them the guns, giving them their ammo. Probably the CIA is, you know, counterterrorism also means arming jihadists because they're fighting against ISIS that later become super ISIS and then we have to go and fight them. You know, it's a very circular way of thinking that assures that we're going to have the most amount of blowback. At least we're nipping that in the butt, right? This is wonderful, wonderful fucking news that the CIA is going to have to go back to their Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which actually the author of that just died. Rest in peace, guy. Great, uh, great book and movie. But they're going to have to go back to doing a little bit more uh, finessing. No more shipments of guns. No more shipments of drugs. No more massive overthrows. Sorry, guys. Maybe just collect some info. Maybe do some real work. Maybe instead of creating the terrorists and arming them, you can just figure out who they are. Maybe maybe work with the local governments to defuse that situation. You know, maybe stop some bombing runs that your information leads to from creating these organizations, from creating the, the Al-Qaeda's of the world by arming them so that they could fight Russia back in the day, back when the Soviet Union was a thing in Afghanistan. Yeah, thank you, CIA. Thanks for that. So yeah, defund. Thank God. The, the, best, the best police, the secret, secret police, the best way to defund them. Uh, it's had a little coughing fit there. I was, I'm doing good, but uh, <coughs> getting to me. Okay, two more quick stories. One very quick. Chadwick Boseman, who you guys know, died of cancer. You, you know, by the way, I'll give a shout out to the Second Print podcast with uh, our own Mark Claire and Remza Martinez, where they talk about comic books. Maybe they'll get into this more on their show, but I wanted to address it because this is a, a show that likes to talk about culture. But Chadwick Boseman, who died of cancer, which he kept very secret. I was very impressed by uh, his secrecy. He just kind of up and died this this past year. You know, sad. I'm sure he was a nice guy. I'm, I'm sure he was also u- uber leftist. <coughs> but he was in Black Panther, a movie which, of course, got something like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and was hailed as this breakthrough movie, despite the fact that, you know, Blade has been around forever. There's been multiple other black superheroes. I mean, fucking Shaq was a superhero in, uh, what was it called? Not Real Steel. Damn, what was that movie where he was a superhero? Anyway, somehow this Black Panther movie was supposed to be uh, the end-all be-all and and really a breakthrough. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it had more black cast. I don't know. I saw it. It was a fine superhero movie. I enjoyed it. Did I come out of it blown away? No. I came out of it basically saying, okay, that was fine. I guess the, the, a lot of people were black. I don't know. I don't really fucking care. <laughs> I honestly do not fucking care. And uh, they're not going to replace him in Black Panther 2. Marvel's boss says that his role as Black Panther will not be recast. I guess it's going to focus on his daughter or sister. I-, I don't know. So T'Challa will not come back. Now, here's my problem with this. This is fucking stupid. This is the height of stupid. We've had 15 fucking Batmans. We've had 20 James Bonds. I mean, Christ, Sean Connery just died. Should we retire all James Bonds now because Sean Connery died and only Sean Connery's James Bond forever? No, it's fucking stupid. Black Panther was a comic book before Chadwick Boseman. 
It will be a comic book after Chadwick Boseman. Now, what they're probably going to do, you know, this is one of those things that looks like, oh, they're so caring on the surface, right? What it really is, is a marketing ploy to get a bunch of attention and promote Black Panther 2. And then what they're going to do is they're going to reboot it. They're going to introduce a brand new comic book, just like they would Spider-Man and uh, I guess, I don't know, what is Latin or Black, Black, Latin, 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 Spider-Man, whatever. The uh, I will say the Spider-Verse, great movie. Really enjoyed it. But they're going to reintroduce a different version and reboot it. And that way, they get to have it both ways. Theme of the episode, having it both ways. So they get to get all the sympathy and all the, oh, wow, so impressive. Yes, he's a, you can't replace him. He was such a black icon. Oh, okay. And then they'll fucking reboot it with a different guy and, and life will go on. In the meantime, people will go see Black Panther 2 and they'll go see the sister and they'll promote that as, oh, a new female-led superhero movie. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. So powerful. Amazing. And on that note, speaking of females, you guys may have heard that Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt Commodores, had a female kicker. Wow. Really amazing. Sarah Fuller became the first woman to score on a uh, point after attempt in a Power 5 football game. That's what the headlines all read. They all read the same thing. First woman to score in a Power 5 football game. Why do you think... They phrased it that way. Hmm. Oh, because probably some chick before had scored in some other game, probably for a lesser conference. But this is really important because it's the Power Five, which, I, you know, I don't know, has some schools in it you probably heard of, probably Marshall's in it. I don't know, Vanderbilt's in it. I'm sure there's a few other ones in it. Cincinnati Bearcats, maybe run it. Long story short, just like with Black Panther, just like with any of these things, like I read all these stories, oh, a first female NFL coach. <laughs> I read that story and I go, I don't fucking care. First uh, black head coach, Cole, I don't care. First black astronaut, first uh, transsexual Asian Filipino uh, mayor of Oregon. I don't fucking care. The reason I don't care is not because I'm a white supremacist or because I try to ignore news about minorities. It is because I legitimately don't fucking care. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what sex you are. I don't fucking care. And that's the irony of all of this fucking stupid social justice woke PC Bullshit. These people go out of their way to point out the fact that there's a female kicker for power five. Oh, wow. She made one extra fucking point. Wow. I remember back in the day, there was a movie called Necessary Roughness where Kathy Ireland was their kicker. That was back in the 80s. There's been several female kickers that have played football, or fe several female football players. Remember, there was that chick playing in the, in the Little League Baseball who was striking people out, you know. Fine. They're going to keep promoting it. They're going to keep talking about it. They're going to keep saying, oh, it's diverse. Look at this person. It's this, uh, this Indonesian Native American blend is the first person to play linebacker for the Saints. I don't fucking care. And the fact that the left points this out, the fact that they make such a big deal of this is regressive. It is fucking counter to 
progressing forward to getting to the point where we stop worrying about color, the best thing you can do is not point this shit out because it is normal. It, it will become normalized. People will stop thinking about whether or not it's a black coach or a white coach or a white quarterback or a black quarterback. I swear to God, in Philadelphia fucking alone, we have all these stories. I swear to fucking Jesus. If there's a black quarterback in there and people call for him to be replaced, like Donovan McNabb at the end of his career was sucking ass and people wanted him to be replaced and they said, oh, racism. Well, Carson Wentz this year, He's white. He's as white as the fresh fallen snow covered in blood because he's a fucking dirty ginge. Everybody in Philly is like, Carson Wentz is sucking dick. Put in Jalen Hurts. Oh, what's Jalen Hurts? A black guy. Where are all the stories about how Philadelphia has become racially aware? There aren't any because it doesn't serve the purposes of the fucking stupid left. But all these stories about diversity, oh, they're so great and so heartwarming. All they do is make sure that we pay attention to it. That's only the power. That's the only power that the left has anymore. And we need to fucking get over it. I don't fucking care because I am awoken to the point where I, it's normal. Good. And the person's in there. Good. They must be doing a fine job. Uh, either that or maybe they got ahead because of their color, which is probably not great. Either way. I don't fucking care if you're in there. I don't care what your color is. I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you're tucking. I don't care if you're tucking a dick. I don't care if Stephen Colbert is sucking your clit. It doesn't matter. Okay, last thing. What does matter? Speaking of, look at this. God, this transition, guys. This is how you know I'm back on my game. I'm back healthy. I'm on my game with this transaction. Talking about clit sucking. We're going right into Porn. That's right. Porno. Because Pornhub had been uh, basically they had Pornhub and I think a couple other sites too. Like Pornhub had had a lot of content on there from independent uh, content creators, right? Not major publishers, people that were posting their OnlyFans vids, their, their homemade porno vids on there, making money, getting people to subscribe and sending them direct monies through Pornhub, kind of like a, you know, yeah, like an OnlyFans or, uh, my free cam sites, you know, there's a few, few different ones, but people were posting this on there and they could get direct payments from people. And I guess it was through visa and whatever else, you know, you could use your credit card. So somebody said, Hey, Pornhub's got a lot of kitty porn on there and a lot of trafficked victims on there. Now I've never seen that, but then again, I said, not searching for kitty porn. Maybe it's true. So they cut off their funding. They cut off all the the banks, right? The banks cut them off. So what did Pornhub do? Well, Pornhub first, they purged all the unverified content. Now, that may or may not be a good idea. Now, if verified content means that it has to come from, uh, I don't know, a verified source like AKA the person doing it, maybe that's a good thing. I also think it's going to remove a lot of the content that people just would cut clips up and you know share them for the uh, community. So they're probably going to lose a lot of people that now you can't find shit on Pornhub. We're going to have to go to RedTube or X Hamster or X Videos or any of the other places that I visit in the shower. My wife's not home. But the most interesting thing is that Pornhub has now adopted a plethora of cryptocurrencies. Just like gambling platforms, because gambling is still only legal, at least on sports, in a few states. You can bet on any number of platforms internationally by using Bitcoin. 
and they have a bunch of brand new transfer portals where you buy Bitcoin and then it deposits. It's great. So Pornhub has now adopted Bitcoin and Dashcoin. I think a few other ones. Monero, I think, is on there as well. Now, this is important because I know a lot of you out there, a lot of you porn hounds, a lot of the people in the Lions of Liberty Forum, which you could join by going to Facebook, typing in Lions of Liberty Forum. We've not been zucked yet. We were under heavy attack, but I think that is now receded. But go in there, type that you heard about uh, Lions of Liberty Forum right here from your good pal, Brian. But for those of you that don't know, porn has dictated quite a bit in fo- as far as the way that technology has moved forward. VHS first beta. The porn industry chose VHS. Even though beta was empirically better. VHS dominated bye-bye beta. Porn chose Blu-ray over HD, it was HDD, HVDD, whatever the fuck it was. It was you know, the other the other format I think Microsoft was pushing. Uh, bye-bye HDD. Hello Blu-ray. And now Gambling, massive industry. Porn, massive industry. Porn is adopting Bitcoin. Guys, girls, everything in between. Porno has never been wrong. The way porno goes is the way the future goes. So if you don't own Bitcoin yet, buy some. If you don't have the money, you can look into a stock called MGTI. They buy Bitcoin. They have Bitcoin miners. Actually, I shouldn't say they buy. They have Bitcoin miners. And uh, it's a cheap, cheap stock. You can buy a bunch of it. But if Bitcoin skyrockets, as I expect it to, you will make a pretty penny. Always been on sin, my friends. All right, that's going to do it. Bye-bye for today's episode, everybody. Thank you for listening. Welcome to all our new listeners that came in from the uh, Dave Smith debate. And uh, a big thank you to our new patrons. Come on, stay a while. Join us, won't you? One of us, one of us. Ziggy Zoggy, one of us. Uh, Guys, reminder, always listen to Mark on Mondays. Already talked about the show that happened there. And of course, on Friday, we have Felony Fridays with John Odermatt. And um, next episode, guys, we're going to be doing the Naughty and Nice ELL special where we review politicians, sports stars, everything else out there and decide if they have been naughty or nice from a libertarian perspective on the year. So that's always a fun show. Make sure to check it out. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> give us a five-star review. And uh, and please, most importantly, tell your friends, lovers, family members, priests, rabbis, shamans, whoever else you might talk to, uh, to give us a listen and to subscribe to the podcast. We need to grow. And with your help, we're going to get there. All right. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.